0: It's Monday, October 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, David Hanson. Happy Monday, gents. Happy New Week. Yes. Can you feel the excitement in the room? It's very exciting. It's the excitement that only Dow 16,000 can bring. Oh,
1: I thought that was just me.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> You're feeling it, too. It's just amazing, isn't it, when you step back and look at the excitement... In all seriousness, though, I, 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 I'll get to our topics in a second. But once again, and I shouldn't be surprised by this, you know, I just shouldn't. But once again, on TV, online, the the excitement over the Dow hitting a number that ends in a lot of zeros. It's just, oh, it's Dow sixteen thousand.
1: It is excitement. I just got a uh, I got an email request from. KBC out in LA to do a quick thing on that very topic. I mean they're like, "Hey, last second, but you know, this just happened." And you're right. It's it's a number that catches a lot of attention because it has a lot of zeros and a little comma in there, and you know, people think, "Wow, 16,000." You, you think about where we were just 3, 4 short years ago. What
0: did you tell the listeners of KBC? Did you tell them essentially this is nice, but I told them to buy low
1: and sell high. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, Sage I mean I, I told them that it's you know when you when you think about where we were not too terribly long ago. I mean, it was a you know lugubrious time. And uh, there's a good fifty think, yeah, cent word. I got a few of them, Chris. <laughs> I got a few of them. But I mean, yeah, we we were at a very a dismal low point not too terribly long ago. So to see the market bounce back like this is encouraging. But you have to remember why it's bouncing back like this. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with uh, what what many see as robust earnings growth. And while that may be, I I think you have to look a little bit deeper into why that earnings growth exists. And a lot of that earnings growth exists because of these companies cutting a lot of costs. And we've talked about this a lot. But at some point, you know, you hit that ceiling where you can only cut so many costs and then the earnings stop growing. And and then the market sort of sees that coming and and, uh, reacts accordingly. It's not to say that the market's getting ready to tank. I mean, that's not how we invest here. But You know, I I think you have to focus on the good and the bad and and just uh, proceed accordingly.
2: I think it's it's interesting, too, when you talk about cutting expenses, the first thing we think of is, oh, cutting employees. You can only cut so many employees, but a big part of the expense reductions over the past couple of years has been interest expense on debt, and companies have been able to refinance at very low levels that's getting to a point where maybe they can't do that as much anymore. So when we talk about expenses getting lower, it's not just people out there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, let's just put this on a very personal level. I mean, people may not quite be able to relate to a company uh, perspective, but, but just think about it from a personal perspective. If you have a a bank credit card, whatever you have at home, chances are, if you have a decent credit record, that your uh you are not paying a very high interest rate on that on that credit card and and so what some people do is they maintain higher balances on that credit card during these times because they're not paying very much in interest to begin with right and that's fine and dandy but you have to remember that when those rates start going back up that high balance is going to come bite you in the butt and so you need to be very careful uh of how you spend in, in these these times
0: all right let's get to some of the stories today shares of sony are up this morning after it sold more than 1 million PlayStation 4 consoles in the first day that they went on sale. Um, they are targeting 5 million sold by March. That's, I mean, given the start they are off to, David, it seems like seems like they're on their way and probably just in the nick of time because I believe it's Friday that Microsoft's sale of the new Xbox One game uh, console happened. Mm-hmm. So, but at least for now, Sony's having a nice day.
2: I thought it was interesting, too. I saw, I think it was last week, Xbox tweeted out uh, congratulating Sony on the big launch. I thought that was kind of cool. They are saying, eh, congratulations on the launch. Wait for our product to come out. I think on if you had to lean one way or another what this means for Microsoft and Xbox, it would be, yeah, it's probably a good thing. There's people still out there spending these pretty big ticket items on right. these game consoles. So I would say it's probably a little feather in the cap for Microsoft there. You look at Sony,
0: and I'm old enough that I remember when Sony was the gold standard for electronics, for televisions, stereos, any kind of equipment. If it was stereo, you just knew it was going to be – The Walkman. Chris, don't forget the Walkman. The Walkman, sure. Uh, rest in peace, the Walkman.
1: Um, we have dated ourselves officially, folks. <laughs>
0: but but you look at this stock, and it really has struggled. And we, t- we talk about – the entertainment business, in terms of being a hits-driven business, I think Sony is in the same category. Yes, they have an entertainment division, but I look at this as this is—they need this to be a big hit.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, they they have certainly diversified their their business model through the years, and not necessarily in the good way. Um, you know, this this console refreshment cycle has been in the works for some time now. What you know? What has interested me here is number one with the with the new Xbox coming out, new PlayStation coming out, and with the way that that technology has has gotten us to, to this point I mean these consoles are having to be more things to more people in other words it can't just be a gaming console anymore it really has to be something that that completely ties together everything in your home gaming uh, streaming music anything really you can you can think of and so that's what that's what they're trying to do is become more things to more people uh, but it I don't know if, if you've seen this. I mean, it seems like there are at least some PlayStations that are making it out there that are not working very well.
0: Uh, well that, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. Well, you, look at, you look at Twitter, you look at the Amazon reviews, and there are some people, it seems at this point, to be a small indeterminate number but they are getting something that is referred to as the blue light of death that basically <laughs> right. they they're all excited they're the people who are buying
1: on day 1 and they get this console at home and it's basically a brick to give you a number i mean there are more than 800 there are 1800 reviews for this device on amazon and about 500 of those reviews gave it a one star rating and so i mean I, as an as a frequent Amazon shopper, I mean, I, I look at those ratings to get an idea of what people are thinking about that product. That that certainly is not inspiring. Now, I mean, to be fair, there are always you know little little issues when these things come out, but but certainly uh, this is something you want to pay attention to because not it's working trend, at all is, no, is not a little issue. You might as well just get a brick. You know, just go ahead and get a brick and put it on your table. It just seems to work just as well. That's not good. Do you think that? Do you think that that? I mean, just
0: extrapolating out those numbers. That's how big a problem is that going to be for them if roughly twenty to twenty-five percent of the ones that they've produced, let's say it's it's a fraction of that. Let's say it's five percent. Five percent is still an enormous percentage if they're having that kind of problems.
2: I would be careful extrapolating the the Amazon reviews. I mean, it's certainly eighteen hundred; it's a pretty large sample. But the people that are going to comment and give it a one star, and that are that are first time buyers or, or kind of early adopters to the new system. They may be a little bit more rabid than the masses. So I'd l- probably let it play out for a couple months before we kind of grade this a failure as a product or Have not. you guys ever review- – I'm, I'm just thinking to myself. I'm a
0: pretty frequent shopper on Amazon. I think the one time I reviewed something was to give a negative review. It was just I, – I was, I was pretty annoyed about something. It was not a big ticket item. It was certainly not a, a brand-new PlayStation 4. Have you ever reviewed anything?
1: I don't think I have, no. You know I think I did go in and review the most recent flat screen we bought because it turned out to be a uh, very good as as advertised and, and they you know primed it there in two days, so that was pretty sweet um, but yeah, I think that you're right. I think that most people tend to fork over a negative review before they're going to put up there a positive review so uh yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go by reviews alone, definitely, but it's def- you certainly want to keep an eye on this to see how how it plays out.
0: Bill Ackman's next big bet is here, and it is in the industry of housing. Um, Ackman's group, Pershing Square, has disclosed uh, just about a 10% stake in Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. This is an industry you watch closely, David. Are you surprised by this move by Ackman? Are you intrigued?
2: How definitely you- definitely intrigued. This is, this is much different than what we've seen him do in the past with this is not J.C. JCPenney. When we talk about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, these aren't traded on the big exchanges anymore. These companies are in conservatorship through the government. You can still buy the common shares and the preferred shares kind of over the counter here. But this is very interesting. We've seen a lot of hedge fund managers buy the preferred shares of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, hoping to get value out of those uh, in the long run. We haven't seen many big names take a big stake in the common. Um, And this is very interesting to see Ackman take a stake in here because the biggest wild card is what does the government do with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac? That's the ultimate question in terms of whether these guys are going to get any value out of this. And that's a very big question mark. Yeah,
0: I I saw one quote, I think it was in the journal, where someone was saying, I wouldn't look to buy shares of either of these for that very reason, that I can't value these stocks. Because there is this huge X factor in terms of what the government's going to do.
2: That's exactly right. You can you can model out the numbers and you can make the case that there is value in the underlying companies here for sure. You can definitely do that. But the, the part of your equation that factors in the probability of the government actually allowing you to succeed in that investment is very much a question mark. Um, so as an investor personally, I'm not comfortable with that part of the equation being so uncertain. So that keeps me away from a situation like this. Does it say
0: anything about the housing industry writ large or is this solely about Ackman and his interest in these two entities? Is it, it so meaning for someone who's just looking at this and saying, "Well, I'm not necessarily interested in Fannie or Freddie, but this makes me feel more bullish about home builders or Zillow or anything like is is that a logical next step for an investor or is that overreaching?"
2: I think that's probably overreaching. It's been more of a Fannie and Freddie are in the spot they are today as profitable institutions again because of the strength in the housing market the last couple of years. A lot of refinancing activity, a lot of people buying it, buying homes that have good credit scores, which is what we want, uh, which is a, which has allowed Fannie and Freddie to be very profitable and set aside a lot less in in losses. So it's kind of been a story of what's happened in the housing market rather than, okay, they're taking these stakes because they think the housing market has such a runway ahead of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you read through Freddie Mac's most recent quarterly report, which I know you're dying to do, Chris. I'm so I dying to do. I will send you a link after the show. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's plain as day. I mean, the refinance boom is coming to an end. I mean, they're projecting out 2014 to 2015 that the majority of these loan originations are going to be coming from home purchases. And I, I don't know that, necess- that necessarily is going to be as robust as the refi market has been for the past few years. Uh, I mean – I think, I think anybody who owns a home at least took advantage of refinancing once uh, during that time. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that this is just another good example of something where maybe maybe there's an angle here that Agman sees that that no one else sees. Certainly his position with the capital that they maintain, uh, they're able to do things that other investors aren't necessarily able to do. For the average everyday investor, and, and I, I would throw all three of us here in that, in that group, along with probably most all of our listeners, I mean, I think this is a good example example of of looking at what ackman's doing and saying well just because he's doing it doesn't make it right okay i mean jc penny turned out to be a big dud right <laughs> it's not like he's parlaying all his gains from jc penny into this right, here, right? <laughs> so I, I mean just look at it take it with a grain of salt it's interesting it's a good headline It'd probably be fun to read uh about uh, but but yeah i don't know that there's anything uh for for the, the average investor really to take away other than just a follow it, maybe watch it. Don't do it.
2: Yeah, I think watching is probably the way to go. And we talk about these hedge funds that take the big stake and make the big headlines. Ackman takes stake. Berkowitz has a stake in it. They're the ones that kind of control the game here because if retail investors are riding the coattails and saying, oh, I'm going to join in with them, those guys are also going to be the first out the door. So if they say, okay, there's actually not opportunity here. We were wrong. They're going to get out after the prices run up. And that's going to leave everyone else, all the retail investors, kind of running for the door here. So they really hold the key to this, um, whether it be good or bad. Because if they reach the point where they say, "Eh, it looks like the government's not going to do what we want them to do. We're going to get the heck out of here. Right, And And the the rest of us are sitting here and saying, oh, man, they're leaving. I got to get out, too. And then that's (laughs) when everything kind of goes badly.
1: And with Penny, at least they had the opportunity to get someone on the board there. I don't know they stand the same chance of getting someone, yeah. you know, <laughs> elected office.
2: Maybe Ron Johnson. Maybe maybe Ron Johnson. <laughs> just do maybe they, the they, just, they do not, by the way. Common shareholders don't have the power to elect uh, Secretary to of
1: board messing here. things up.
2: Uh, before our final story, I should mention
0: I am um, uh, headed to New York later this week, Wednesday uh, Wednesday's Investor Beat. If you haven't watched, if you haven't watched Investor Beat, check it out. It's our daily market wrap video show. You can see it on, on Roku, on YouTube. Uh, the podcast version is on iTunes as well. And we have a brand new video studio up in New York City, so I'm going to be going up there, christening the studio. We're going to be doing Investor Beat on Wednesday with co-founder and CEO Tom Gardner. So check that out. Uh, final story: The Washington Post. This is something we had touched on when uh, recently. Uh, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post uh, from the company itself. Um, the Washington Post has announced that it will be changing the name uh, to Graham Holdings. That is obviously in reference to the Graham family. That takes uh, effect on November 29th. There's going to be a new ticker symbol as well. And Jason, I was talking with you earlier this morning. This This looks kind of interesting now because now that the money-losing newspaper is no longer part of this (laughs) empire, now you, you step back and you look at, well, what is involved in the Graham Holdings Corporation and it's the Kaplan Educational Testing Service and all that comes with that, six television stations in some pretty major markets, Houston, Miami, just to name two. I don't know. When you, look at, when you look at the remaining company, and by the way, you factor in Don Graham, who has done such an amazing job. The reputation of Don Graham is up there with any person in the business community that I can think of over the last 30 years. Maybe it's just because of our proximity to Washington, D.C. But Don Graham and the Graham family uh, have earned tremendous credit for the way that they have conducted themselves and their business. What do you think of Graham Holdings?
1: Yeah, there's something like eight, eight decades of... Of reputation here to protect, and I mean honestly, I like the move because it, it it steers the focus away from what, for the longest time, was seen to be a failing newspaper. Uh, And, and yeah, you look at just a name change can make can make you think about things just a little bit differently, Um, because all of a sudden now Graham Holdings, you have to dig a little bit further to understand what the holdings are. Right. And maybe getting getting that uh, getting that sort of structure down will give him the opportunity uh, to bring more uh, more relevant businesses under that umbrella. I mean, I know that there is, you know, a long term sort of relationship there with the Graham family and Warren Buffett. Uh, so you have to believe that Berkshire Hathaway is is in the discussion here in some capacity. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me terribly if at some point you saw Graham Holdings be car, you know become part of of the Berkshire family. Who knows? I it's just pure speculation. But but regardless, I think it is a nice way for them to to turn the page on on what is a a bit of a different business now. Give them a little bit more focus and. Um, you know, it would just it'd just be interesting to see kind of what they bring under that uh, under that family name here in the next in the next decade.
0: Well, and to to part of what Jason touched on there, David, you look at the new name, the new branding, and it really does sort of give them license to go anywhere, mm-hmm. just just like any holding company.
2: Yeah, I think that's the right move. On the face of it, I don't get super excited by any of their businesses. Capital, it's a nice business. The TV stations, as you mentioned, it's fine uh maybe not anything that i would be really really excited it's not sexy like a wall street bank right (laughs) yeah i like that stuff Um, (laughs) but i think it is a good move that they didn't just rename it kaplan because then they kind of pigeonhole themselves as saying okay we're education company right Uh, i think the question is what do they do going forward what else do they bring in under the umbrella if they bring in some interesting things with a nice capital allocation model and not overpaying for things then it could be a winner they certainly have the history of of doing that, of having good capital allocation, and with Buffett involved, potentially, that could that could be a good thing. But as it sits today, it's not one that I'm super excited about, but I think it does potentially have a, a nice runway ahead of it.
1: And one thing to pay attention to, I, guess, I mean, I, I cannot name the chief investment officer of this company if they even have one at this point, but one thing to, to look out for, perhaps, would be if – at some point here in the near future, they, they bring in a chief investment officer of, of, some, of some sort of status that, that we've either heard of or has a track record. Uh, you know, that's something we, we like. Marquel for example, a lot because of Tom Gaynor. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, just tremendous record there with, with Charlie uh, Munger and Warren Buffett. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they bring in a chief investment officer here to, to try to, to grow this business in, in different ways. And so that'd be, that'd be a headline maybe to keep, keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not teen retail. So we know that <laughs> it's it's at least got some potential. I think if it has a catalyst, it, it has a chance. But I mean, it's it's not horrible. They do have some cash-generating businesses here.
0: And by the way, wouldn't that be among the biggest red flags imaginable that acquiring in, Abercrombie in,
2: in early 2014? Graham Holdings <laughs> announces
0: a, a big thing. not that there's anything wrong with no, that. No, it's no, just no. Jason Moser, David Hanson, guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That does it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.